Do you have something to say? Do you believe that everybody should be enabled, encouraged and empowered to tell their story? Speaking is power. As it's said, if you can speak well, you can influence. And if you can influence, you can change lives, your own and others. Welcome to the Let's Stand podcast, speaking up about speaking out. My name is Siobhan Fitzgerald and it's a pleasure to connect with you today. Had any of you heard of Amanda Gorman from Los Angeles, California, before January 21st, 2021? Most of you, I'm sure, probably had not. Perhaps some of you had. Prior to January 21st, she would have been known to some as an American poet and activist. She is, in fact, the first U.S. National Youth Poet Laureate. Her poetry touches on many political and social issues, issues of oppression, marginalization, feminism and race. So if you had not heard of this 22 year old prior to January 21st, 2021, I'm pretty sure that you know her name now, as you may have been one of the lucky ones, one of the millions, if not billions of people worldwide who heard her, the youngest inaugural poet in American history deliver her poem, The Hill We Climb, at US President Joe Biden's inauguration on January 21st, 2021. Her carefully choreographed performance made people worldwide sit up, listen and take notice. Her words were profoundly touching. Words that have been used to describe her include class, poise, role model, eloquent and authenticity. Hard to believe that such a poised, powerful, passionate performer, Amanda Gorman, suffered from a speech impediment growing up. In fact, she revealed that if she'd had to deliver this poem three years ago, she may not have been able because her speech impediment, which made it very difficult for her to pronounce certain sounds, was too great. However, rather than being overcome by her struggles, she overcame them and maintains that her struggles helped her to hone her storytelling skills. Amanda credits her speech impediment and an auditory processing disorder as increasing her sensitivity to the sounds of language. The spoken word poetry style of this poem is also quite popular among the young people, which is indeed fitting when aiming to communicate a message of hope for the future. After all, our young people are the future. While for many of us growing up, our encounters with poetry may have been mainly silent and solitary, with poetry needing to be read, to be relished. Spoken word poetry is a delicacy of a different kind. Seth Perlow in the Washington Post pointed out that with her exceptional performance, Gorman reminds us how poetry delivered well can enrich public life. During a 2018 TED-Ed talk entitled, Using Your Voice is a Political Choice, Amanda shared that she steadies and gathers herself before every public speaking and poetry performance by repeating a simple but meaningful mantra to herself. Three simple, solid sentences. 
I am the daughter of black writers who descended from freedom fighters, who broke their chains and changed the world. They call me. Most of her life, she was particularly terrified of speaking up because she had that speech impediment, which made it difficult to pronounce certain letters, sounds. But her moment of realization, she says, came when, when the thought hit her. If I choose not to speak out of fear, then there's no one that my silence is standing for. I cannot stand standing to the side, standing silent, she said. I must find the strength to speak up. Wow, that's powerful and inspiring. I must find the strength to speak up. She claimed the choice to be heard is the most political act of all. She also shared the following. If I choose not out of fear, but out of courage to speak, then there is something unique that my words can become. It might feel like every story's been told before, but the truth is no one's ever told my story in the way I would tell it. Amanda's poem for the inauguration of President Joe Biden comes under the broad term of occasional poetry, which documents and reflects upon particular occasions, events, both public and private, grand and less grand. Often, occasional poems are commissioned and intended for a public reading. Throughout history, kings and queens have summoned poets to document and celebrate their triumphs and victories. In terms of American presidents, since John F. Kennedy, most incoming democratic presidents have invited poets to mark their accession to the high office of president. President Kennedy invited renowned poet Robert Frost to read the poem the gift outright at his inauguration. African-American poet Maya Angelou wrote and read for President Bill Clinton. President Barack Obama asked Richard Blanco to be his inaugural poet in 2013. However, Amanda Gorman is the first poet tasked with speaking to inspire during a global pandemic. She also aimed to foster a sense of collective purpose following a period of political violence and partisan division. What a task on such young shoulders. In this podcast, I'm going to take a look at Amanda Gorman's poem, The Hill We Climb, and her performance, her powerful delivery and recitation of this poem to try to analyze and evaluate what exactly it is that makes it so touching, so impactful, so inspiring, and what we can learn from it in terms of its content and delivery. Lin-Manuel Miranda, creator of the famous sung and rapped through musical, Hamilton said, the right words in the right order can change the world. This is the power and potential of Amanda Gorman's poem, The Hill We Climb. So let's listen and break it down piece by piece. So walking proudly and confidently to the podium, Amanda took the time to lay down her script and set herself up. And then she paused, smiled and took in the moment. In all of this, she was connecting with the vast audience of listeners 
before she even opened her mouth, she was building rapport. Mr. President, Dr. Biden, Madam Vice President, Mr. Emhoff, Americans and the world. Amanda starts off by addressing the President and Mrs. Biden, the Vice President and Mr. Emhoff, Americans and the world. Amanda knows from the start, from the outset, who she is talking to. She knows her audience. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never ending shade? The loss we carry a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. When day comes, a simple but profound and powerful opening. Is she referring to coming out of a night of darkness and never ending shade? Or for some, it may conjure up an image of waking up, waking up to a new day, of course, not actually talking about shade, she is using the metaphor and contrasts of light and shade, both poetic de devices. Shade may be referring to times in our lives when we go through struggles and turmoil, but the clever use of metaphor allows the audience a certain freedom to put their own interpretation on it. The loss we carry a sea we must wade, acknowledges current challenges, perhaps political and perhaps challenges to do with the global COVID-19 pandemic. We've braved the belly of the beast. Here is our first introduction to the powerful poetic device of alliteration. The repetition of consonant sounds for greater effect. Just close your eyes and listen. We braved the belly of the beast. You hear the repetition of the b sound. This adds energy and punch and once again makes it memorable, not to mention the imagery of the belly of the beast. So that's the opening content. Now the delivery. Well, apart from the clarity and rhythm of her voice, what almost immediately struck me was her hand gestures, elegant and deliberate, almost like a dance, starting on the audience's left-hand side, moving gracefully to the audience's right, beginning gently to bring us on a journey with her. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. The content here is thought provoking, challenging the notion of quiet as peace, playing with the word justice, which isn't always just is her fingers precisely gesturing inverted commas for just is, alerts us to consider that this may actually be what some people consider justice to be, what just is. There is a subtle invitation here to consider speaking up, questioning, not being quiet, but speaking up for peace and challenging what just is, advocating for change. Justice, justice. She uses the hand gestures here of being precise. In terms of delivery, her eye contact is noticeable here. Looking from side to side to ensure the whole audience feels included. Also the twists and turns of her elegant, elongated fingers continue the dance, the rhythm, the flow of her performance. 
And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We. Sorry, I have to stop it here. But that mention of the dawn, the dawn signals a new day, new hope. She offers a more hopeful way of looking at some of the cracks that have begun to appear in the country as not broken, but simply unfinished. Be the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. Amanda's deliberate use of the word we includes the audience in her journey, her struggles and her triumphs. In referring to her achievement of reciting to a president on this special day as a descendant from slaves and having been raised by a single mother, there's an almost tacit acknowledgement of how far the country, how far the United States has come in many ways. She uses the example of her own life to inspire others. Representation matters. What does this mean for young people, young girls watching and listening across the world from all backgrounds? What does it say about what is possible? Again, her hand gestures here are just beautiful, very intentional and super effective. For example, coming down for descended from slaves and up from below as if from the ground for raised by a single mother. This helps the audience to not just hear her words, but to see them too. These gestures complement her words powerfully. Also, her hand gestures for can dream of becoming president. Elegant, but very, very clear. With her two hands in the air, projecting out from her head for dream, like a vision, putting it out there in the world. She looks down at her notes every so often which is very acceptable and which signals a natural pause, allowing the audience time to digest her words and her message. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. There is clarity here about our purpose. What we are trying to achieve, which is not perfect, as we're not perfect, but it is achievable and meaningful. There's definitely that sense there, a union with purpose. Amanda punctuates this point here with the hand gesture of her fist on her open hand. The use of the verb compose gives the listener a certain amount of creative ownership and power over the task at hand, composing a country. Wow. Yes, again, we hear and feel the impact of the alliterations, polished, pristine, perfect, and purpose. And somewhat softer then is the impact of the alliteration of compose, country, committed, cultures, colors, characters, and conditions. This alliteration here really accentuates these lines with a certain punch that bounces on our ears, bringing our attention to what is being said 
and again, making it memorable. I'm emphasis, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean also lands lightly and rhythmically on our ears, making it very pleasing to listen to, almost exciting us, bringing us along with its rhythmic flow. Notably, Amanda looks down after purpose. And I think her intention of looking down here is flagging something important to come. And so we lift our gazes, not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. These are very, very powerful lines. Lifting our gaze engenders a feeling of confidence, hope, also directing our collective common focus to what stands before us, not what stands between us. Amanda looks down a little more than previously done in the line before, and so we lift our gaze. This may be to increase the impact of lifting her own gaze to complement her words for, and so we lift our gaze. Again, she uses elegant, but very strong and meaningful hand gestures here, using not one, but both of her hands for what stands between us. Hands down, a powerful message of oppression, putting something down to what stands before us, upturning hands, opening up and out, raising up. It's interesting to note that she puts her hands to the audience, audience's left for put our differences aside, intentionally, I believe, sending the message of leaving them in the past. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. There's a beautiful and powerful play on words here. We could take the literal meaning of laying down our arms, our weapons, or the more figurative meaning of setting aside our differences. We very clearly see the powerful images of reaching out our arms to one another, a universal image of welcome, vulnerability, connection, that's even more, much more alluring to us right now at this time of COVID-19 when it is necessary to keep our physical distance from one another. Amanda is truly, truly masterful in how she uses wordplay to maximum effect, evident here again in the use of the homonym arms and how she cleverly extends words as in harm to harmony, juxtaposing two opposite concepts. But the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Amanda makes it very clear here what she wants the message of Americans to be for the world, with globe being a somewhat softer sounding choice of word to its synonym world. Again, she strikes a balance between acknowledging current challenges of grief, hurt, fatigue, while at the same time reminding the audience of their resilience in how they grew, hoped and tried. I love her choice of language in the term so division. It strikes me as something we very intentionally do or don't do. It also causes me to reflect on the expression, we reap what we sow, which is a powerful appeal to the individual agency and in people. 
She picks up pace for some of these lines with a short snappy rhythm repeated for three lines. Here we witness the power of threes, a tool used very frequently and deliberately in public speaking, and also the power of repetition, even as we, even as we, even as we, and repetition again of we will never. In using the three words, tried, tired, and tied, she's playing again with words that sound similar, but mean very different things. There's a pause after together, before that great word, victorious. Who does not want to be part of something victorious? This allows the audience to anticipate this word and relish its meaning. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. Amanda's hand gestures here remind us to envision with our eyes and our mind. This biblical illusion and reference here of the vine and fig tree was one used frequently by the first US president, George Washington. It may also refer to the independence of the peasant farmer who was freed from military oppression. It may be a reference to a simpler way of life, but possibly its intention here might be to refer to a tolerance and acceptance of immigration, affording people, no matter where they come from, the freedom to live in conditions that are familiar and safe to them. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promised glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare it. Here is a subtle introduction to a call to action, to build bridges with a clear and strong emphasis on that being the promise the hill we climb. If we're to live up to our time, maybe a gentle reminder that we all have a part to play in the present, in the making of history. This is our time, our chapter in the history books. Amanda uses internal rhyme here in the bridges we've made, the promise to glade and enjambment carrying the sentence on to the hill we climb. Because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. So instead of passively inheriting what's been handed down to us, Amanda provokes our sense of agency. Again, in her term, it's the past we step into. Stepping is an active process. The force we've seen that would shatter our nation rather than share it is possibly a reference to the undemocratic storming and siege of the US Capitol on January 6th. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. Here again is a more direct reference to our role in history, our power to impact history as she personifies it, history has its eyes on us. This reminds me and connects me immediately to the song in Hamilton, the musical, history has its eyes on you. The double alliteration of p and d is evident in periodically delayed and permanently defeated. 
This is the era of just redemption. We feared it at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it, we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. Here again is an acknowledgement of recent events, a terrifying hour, but Amanda reminds us that we prevailed and found resilience and power in ourselves to author a new chapter. Again, while this is in some way appealing again to our agency, it's also reminding us of the benefits it brings to ourselves, offering hope and laughter. We hear the internal rhyme here again of prepare and air, hour and power. So while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be. There's a very clear transfer of power and control from the past to the present here. Having once, to, uh, once asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe to now asserting, what a lovely, strong, confident verb, asserting, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? Amanda herself shows the impact of this line by placing her hand on her heart. Again, we're aware of the transition from past to present to future. The choice of verbs here is interesting too. Marching back to what was has military protest connotations, whereas moving to what shall be has a more graceful, calm, peaceful sense. A country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens. The clear, resolute promise here that we will not be intimidated because we know the importance of what we do today for the next generation. Our mistakes, our blunders become their burdens. Oh, what beautiful contrasts Amanda uses here to describe her country, especially benevolent, but bold. Here again, we hear alliterations and also here we hear and feel a softer repetition in her use of assonance. The repetition of vowel sounds evident in the i and in of interrupted, intimidation, inaction, inertia, and inheritance. And did you notice her hand gestures again? Her hand gesture for whole coming full circle. But one thing is certain, if we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. Raising her finger, for one thing is certain, she signals a solution, a plan, to merge mercy with might and might with right. I love this next line. Love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. Oh. Change is such a natural phenomenon, but so often feared and resisted. Just imagine if it could be accepted as our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left with every breath from my bronze pounded chest. We will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We 
Again, fabulous use of alliteration, wounded, world, wonderful. We hear here also the pace picking up a bit. The call to action is growing stronger now to advance and leave behind a country better than the one we were left with. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the West. We will rise from the windswept Northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked South. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover. Here, we have fabulous use of imagery, drawing together every corner and part of the United States of America, using flattering descriptors for each one, from the gold-limbed hills of the West to the sun-baked South, rebuild, reconcile, recover. Use of three again, and use of alliteration again. Three powerful, powerful verbs, rebuild, reconcile, recover. Here we notice the pace picks up. On my first hearing of these lines, it connected me immediately back with prominent lines I had remembered in Martin Luther King's famous speech, I have a dream. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening elegies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. Every known nook of our nation in every corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful will emerge battered and beautiful. Beautiful, really, really beautiful. In fact, beautiful is mentioned twice here. Known nook of our nation, beautiful alliteration again, used as Amanda continues to intentionally unite diverse people from every corner of the USA. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Yes, Amanda has brought us full circle. She does not look down for those last two lines, but out, out to all Americans, out to the world, because they are so, so important. If only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Connecting us back to the beginning of her poem, she once again reminds us of the shade, but now, we are empowered to step out of the shade, aflame, ignited and unafraid. And now the answer to the question she asked in the beginning, where can we find light in this never ending shade? The answer she gives us now, there is always light. If only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it, power, poise and poetic panache, drop the mic. I just had to drop the mic for Amanda Gorman's performance, if that's a correct use of the term, because that is what my gut instinct is urging me to do as I rise to my feet to give her a standing ovation. I love poetry. I love the power of poetry and I'm in awe of Amanda Gorman's performance. In these words, which will no doubt go down in history, there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. She firmly lays responsibility and agency 
once again at our feet if we we are brave enough to see it and be it so what is the overall impact of amanda's poem and performance drawing on the contemporary style of spoken word poetry which emphasizes the rhythms and rhymes of the poet's voice as she speaks. Amanda certainly brought us on a journey and her poem left us all with a, a lasting message. It touched our minds, our hearts, our souls, connecting us with past and present realities and future possibilities. Amanda Gorman told the New York Times that what she aspired to do in this poem was to use her words to envision a way in which the United States of America could still come together and heal. I think she most certainly achieved that purpose. Impactful public speaking too uses many of the colorful and impactful rhetorical devices we heard in Amanda's performance as well as the non-verbal communication we saw, felt, and received. Amanda Gorman did not recite her poem. She performed it. It takes courage to stand up and present someone else's poem or work. But it takes courage on the double to stand up and present or perform your own work. Not just are you putting yourself out there to be judged and evaluated, but you're putting a part of yourself out there too. Something that you have created, something personal and meaningful to yourself. In showing her own courage, Amanda herself is a powerful, real example of seeing and being the light. In terms of using this performance as an education activity, which I would highly recommend, as this is education at its most real, relevant, and most powerful, who could listen? What students could listen to and watch this poem and performance and learn something from it? Short answer, everyone. So, for example, let's think about five to seven-year-olds. They could perhaps watch and listen to this performance as they might a movie. Their watching could be prefaced and something like, this girl did something amazing. Can you spot what she did? Could be used to introduce it. Questions that might follow could include, what did you hear, see, feel when this girl Amanda Gorman spoke. It looks like she was speaking at a special occasion. What do you think, imagine, was happening? Amanda began writing poetry when she was five years old. Can you make up a short poem for a special occasion in your life? No writing is necessary here. Play around with rhyming words and have fun with words and phrases. You could even introduce alliteration here without defining it. For example, I wish you a happy, healthy, hearty birthday. For eight to 10 year olds, I might encourage them to look closely at Amanda as she takes her place at the podium and then close your eyes and listen to the performance. Questions that might follow could include what words stand out for you? What words did you hear? Did you have any pictures in your mind when she was speaking? What did you see in your mind's eye? This poem was written and performed for a special occasion. Can you write a poem for a special occasion in your life? Again, I would encourage playing around with words that rhyme, rhythm, alliteration without defining it and encourage using metaphors and similes without, again, necessarily defining what they are, but instead giving vivid examples. For 11 to 13 year olds, 
I might encourage them to look and listen and guide their attention to observing how she uses verbal and nonverbal communication, especially hand gestures. Questions that might follow could include, what was your favorite line of the poem? Can you remember one hand gesture Amanda used? Two hand gestures, three hand gestures. Let's learn the lines, for there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it, off by heart. What hand gestures or actions could we put to these lines? The definition of alliteration could be given here and, exa and examples pointed out from the poem. For 14 to 16 year olds, I might encourage them to look and listen and guide their attention to observing how she uses some poetic and rhetorical devices such as rhyme, alliteration, enjambment. Questions that might follow could include, how did Amanda's performance make you feel? I would support or facilitate the students to come up with words to describe that feeling. Reading back over the lyrics of the poem, give an example of rhyme, alliteration or enjambment. Circle the word we everywhere it is mentioned. Why do you think it is mentioned so frequently? And what is the impact of this repetition? In the title of this poem, Amanda uses the, the metaphor of a hill. What does this metaphor suggest to you? Amanda's poem is an example of occasional poetry written for a special occasion. What is the occasion in question? And what special occasion would you like to write for or speak at or both? Write a poem for that occasion. Other questions that might be considered could be comment on three rhetorical devices you hear Amanda use in her poem. What does she say in this talk that stands out for you? Why? What does her body language communicate to you? Think about hand gestures, facial expressions, posture, eye contact and pause. Where do you think the poet Amanda Gorman gets the inspiration for her poem? Have you ever encountered poetry that like the examples she gives has something interesting to say about politics and democracy? What examples come to mind? What do you think her key message is in this poem? How can your voice help your community, your family, your country? I know that students of all ages would love the idea and challenge of poetry slams. Young people have so many important ideas to express and share. These need to be taken seriously and our young people have to be given the encouragement, support, tools and platforms necessary to make their voices heard. If we do this, we might just learn something really, really valuable. Poetry is a very human form of communication. It connects our intellect with our emotions, our head with our heart in a very unique way. Spoken word poetry rooted in oral traditions and performance can really, really help young people gain important oracy and literacy skills. It can also help develop understanding and empathy, which can be applied to real world situations and refocus, if not transform, people's point of view. It is truly powerful. It is cool, it is contemporary, and it connects. Spoken word poetry has enormous potential in education across many age groups. Teachers can use this medium to honor every student's language and every student's culture and background, ensuring inclusion for all. It doesn't have to be pristine or precise to be perfect in its own respect. The added advantage and beauty for educators is that spoken word poetry also aligns to many, many of the writing, speaking and listening outcomes of the primary 
or elementary school curriculum and secondary school curriculum also here in Ireland and elsewhere. Literacy learning outcomes can be achieved, for example, writing and speaking for a range of tasks, purposes and audiences, as well as outcomes pertaining to democratic participation and global and active citizenship. Of course, what I've shared with you today are just my thoughts, my ideas, my reactions, but that really is the beauty and power of poetry and the spoken word. We can all react to it in slightly different ways. Poetic and rhetorical devices are craftily and intentionally used so that we can all be persuaded towards some interpretations while coming up with others of our own. Amanda Gorman's performance of her poem, The Hill We Climb, has truly, truly reinforced for me the profound power of the spoken word. Yes, there is always light, if only we are brave enough to see it, if only we are brave enough to stand up, speak out and be it. The Let's Stand programme trains young people from ages 5 to 18 in the skills of public speaking. If you'd like to find out more, check out www.letstand.ie or email letstandspeakout at gmail.com. Until next time, think about what is your story. Thank you for listening. Let's stand speaking up about speaking out. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say. And